welcome everybody to Right On Radio. The tagline of the show is live right in the real world. Hey, we're not going to tell you how to live right, but we will expose the real world to you. Yes, this is a surprise broadcast. I did not think I was doing this just 35 minutes ago, but it's amazing how things work. So welcome, everyone. Please share the broadcast. Get your friends and family in on this. Uh, this is going to be a good red pill episode for people uh, who you want to share this with. It's going to be toned down a little bit. But, of course, I used the title, The Devil's Immortals, which is a play on words, and you'll figure out how that all comes into play as we get going with the show. Of course, tonight's show is is brought to you by My Liberty Stand. Are you sick of losing your freedoms? Do you want to start supporting patriotic movements and patriotic shopping and ship sh- stop, stop spending your dollars at the cabal stores like Walmart and Amazon and stuff like that and start buying from patriots supporting Can- Canadian and American jobs? Of course you do. Go to My Liberty Stand to find out. Hey, thank you for the clap. Selah, really appreciate it. So the Devil's Immortals, let me just start because we do have a whole bunch of new subscribers that have been coming on. Let me take a moment to introduce my guest here. Uh, first of all, uh, for those of you who are in the know and know of my guest, I was thinking of him uh, actually, I had a dream about him last night, and I had a dream that I was in this kind of a, a lodge. It almost like, it looked like a kind of a ski chalet, but apparently it belonged to a friend of mine. But my guest was hired to put on this extravagant live play inside of this. It was a totally weird dream, and I didn't even remember it until my phone rang and I just thought, hey, what the heck? We might as well do this because my guest said to me, said, Jeff, we got to do a show. It's been a long time. And yes, it has been a long time. My guest, his name is Tom Althaus. He is the author and script writer of one of the most famous movies. You may have heard of the movie called The Matrix. Well, he wrote the script called The Immortals. And the Matrix movie script was lifted from the Immortals. Uh, Tom is in court right now battling. He has all the evidences. It's overwhelming, the evidence. I actually have a copy of his copyrighted manuscript from way before the Matrix came out. Uh, he shopped it and they stole it. The entire story is there. Uh, we've done lots of episodes on it. Uh, but I want the audience to know the caliber of this particular guest in Tom Althaus. And Tom is a brilliant man. He's a good friend of mine. And what we are seeing is that his script has really become prophetic. And when I mean prophetic, what are we seeing today about connecting people to the cloud and stuff like that. And does it not say in the book of Revelation in the Bible that people will seek death, but they will not find it? How else could that work other than transhumanism and being connected to the cloud or inside 
of the Matrix. And with that introduction, please help me welcome to the show, Mr. Tom Malthouse. <laughs> Tom, welcome to Right On Me. Oh, thanks, Jeff. That, that sounded like a standing ovation. But no, thanks for having me on. That was great. It's great. That was very funny. <laughs> well, yeah, that was the clap. I probably should have hit the audience one, which which would have been the standing ovation. <laughs> but people are sitting down with bated breath, cannot wait to hear what you have to say tonight, Tom. Well, this is great, Jeff. I am, first of all, it's so great to be back with you on this. I consider you like a brother. And boy, talk about being born at the right time in the world and history. And for audience members, too, this is the perfect time to be alive. This is when everything is changing. And people in the future would say, uh, if there's one time I want to go back to, I think it would be right now. This is the time where changes are being made. People with courage are standing up. And it's just it's so moving. If you want to be moved and stimulated, this is the time to be alive and very, very excited to be here. Yeah. You know, we are seeing the greatest transformation in society. Uh, you know, there, there's been a few, uh, obviously, traditionally, you know, the first industrial revolution was major changes. People went from uh, from walking to, to, you know, people having carriages and then all of a sudden to the uh, the automobile, the steam train. Uh, boats with motors, you know, rather than sailing. Those were all big things, but they came about really over decades and over centuries. What is happening now? Uh, you know, I, I constantly say, Tom, that time is being compressed. And what used to take 100 yes. years is taking less than 10 now. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think what you're going to see, too, in the future, it's a, it, like I say, it's a great time to be alive. You're going to see the earth being greened again. You're going to see us going back from away from pollutions and things like that to a greener world, a more sustainable planet, a more beautiful planet. And people are going to take stock and value in what the earth used to be like. And I think we're really going to move. A lot of the people that have the power and influence that have been shut down are going to start to have a voice now through all these different platforms. Like you said, everything's accelerating. And I think you're going to see movements towards um, a more beautiful planet and something else we're going to handle hand to children and children's children. That'll be something we can be proud of, including our um, intellectual pursuits and discoveries and um, product. Well, that that's very true. And I really do hope that we have many, many years ahead of us. Uh, but, Tom, I, I've, I've been saying online, and, and this is a prediction. I'm not a seer into the future or anything like that, and I don't pretend to be. But I see this year, 2022, of being such a tipping point uh, that I have been relaying my feelings that either the tribulation starts at the end of this year, beginning of next year, or it's delayed for years, but it is going to be determined this year. That's what I feel inside. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you, Jeff. I think that also there's an opportunity for something never before seen in history. I think uh, God or the, you know, the powers have given us a chance to prove ourselves, if you will, as the children. We have a chance to um, do something for um, our creators, do something for God, do something where we can show our worth collectively. And I think that's what's happening. And I think art and uh, communications is helping to lead that way. Science and also faith are combining, and I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I think we're actually seeing um, an, an age of uh, renewal 
of enlightenment and, uh, like I said, a great time to be alive. So I see we're going to be caretakers and take it serious this time. I think we're going to learn from our mistakes. The people that have controlled this world up to this point, it's almost like monkeys in a spaceship. They're, they've been running all over the cockpit, screwing things up. And now it's like the parents are coming home. Mom and dad and all are coming home, and we're going to take over this house again and say, let's get things in order. So the real people who have the heart and the abilities are going to take the helm, is what I think. And I think we're seeing that happen now. I just love that analogy. And, and you know what? That really goes in line with what I feel. Uh, because we, the majority, really do have the power. Uh, these people, you know, are, are just, they're just people and there's just a few and there's lots of us. And, and you're right. When the parents mm-hmm. come home and we say, okay, you're running this place like an insane asylum. Uh, we got to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, particularly when we get to unlock some of these technologies like, you know, hydrogen power, you create power, mm-hmm. unlimited power from water and it purifies water and purifies air at the same time. So, you know, there's sustainable green, but of course there's no money in it. So that's why it's really not available uh, because they've had this technology forever. Uh, when you hear of things like nuclear submarines uh, that are out there, they're not nuclear, they're hydrogen powered. Hydrogen, by the way, is, you know, mm-hmm. 1,000 times more powerful than atomic, but on a submarine, it's because that's how they create their fresh water on the submarine. That's how they create their fresh air on the submarine. And they never run out of fuel. Mm-hmm. They could go on dispatch for years uh, doing these things. So this that's technology right. has been there. And the government has always said that we cannot have it because hydrogen is way too dangerous to contain. And they're right. It is very mm-hmm. dangerous to contain. But the sinful solution has always been you don't contain it. You create it on demand. That's right. That's right. And a lot of our policies, a lot of our agendas or our um, ventures are done by think tanks and people who are analysts. And these people are uh, corporately chosen often and um, governmentally put in place. And I don't think they're picking all the right people. I think we need to actually have the visionaries. um, One of the reasons I wrote my screenplay, The Immortals, as you graciously, you know, intros introduced um was to get together a group of people from cross disciplines to form a think tank that could solve world problems that had compassion the smarts and different disciplines and i think by putting them in the same room we can solve so many problems if we keep it open and nothing's negated everything's everything nothing's negated everything's on the table we can solve so much if those of us as writers are writing pieces that hollywood's getting drunk on and even the government's getting involved where they're just trying to steal the work, these Hollywood agencies, then obviously they see something very exciting. And a lot of these people work on the idea of wanting to be stimulated. They want to be stimulated in our world. Well, if they want to be stimulated, let us take the helm and those of us like yourself um, and steer the right course. We know what to do. We've had plenty of time to consider it while we've been writing great material, while we've been coming up with visionary ideas. And I think those ideas are channeled through us, through a higher source. And so I think that that higher source were selected, not by worldly bodies, but um, I think a universal selection goes on where do you have the heart? Do you have the intelligence? Do you, do you, can you work well with others? And now let's form groups that can solve the problems and we'll race ahead. You said that we're going like faster and faster on these discoveries. Just wait to see what happens when we get the right people together in the right room and the inventions will fly. Well, you know what? And listen, I, I believe in science and science keeps proving the things of God. Um, but, you know, when you say the selection, 
I think really what it comes down to, and, and you had said that a couple key words earlier, and one that's close to my heart, Tom, is stewardship. And when we're willing to steward, so for instance, you know, society has always, you know, in the last, you know, 60, 70 years been so lackadaisical. We just send our kids off to school. We're not looking at their curriculums. You know, we're, we've let the governments go unchecked. We've universally accepted corruption and everyone says, Oh yeah, the government's corrupt. And we just laugh it off and then you go have a beer and, you know, do whatever and live your life, but you don't do mm-hmm. anything about it. And it's time that we start to steward it and, and, you know, really take responsibility for these things. But even past mm-hmm. that, Tom, I, I really think that it's, well, you know, uh, listen, I have a deep faith, but it's obedience to the Lord. Uh, and when you can show the Lord that he can trust you, he will give you more. Uh, some people who don't believe in the Lord, they're just good people and, and adhere to that moral code. Um, and I think it really does come down to some morality. I'm not, I'm not talking about a, a salvation issue for them, but you know, even people who just operate by moral codes, God can give favor to. Absolutely. The world needs to come together and we should not exclude anyone on the basis of their beliefs or faith. We should celebrate they have faith, that they have that spark of an ability. Faith brings us all together. Religion can divide us because if we argue our religion over another person's religion, of course, there's going to be a battle. But if we celebrate that each person has the ability to have faith, then there's nothing that keeps us apart. And if we can have everybody come together to collectively form solutions for what our world needs, then we're going to have everybody have feel a share in it. If they feel a share in it, then they feel that they're a part of it. If they feel a part of it, they're going to also fight to protect it. So what we need to do is not exclude anybody. And I think part of the game that's been played prior to this time and going at this moment is to divide people. Divide, isolate, conquer. And they use these art of war. They use the things, excerpts, probably bastardizing it, and using other things from the 40 ways of power. I've seen this in my circles. And so what happens is that have tried to absorb me. And what happens is the people become more and more isolated as they look for more success and power. And a lot of times I've had a chair offered to me, but it's been pulled away because I had, what, too much compassion. There's nothing wrong with compassion. The other side that's really been at that helm, jumping around like monkeys, as we said, the spaceship analogy, have been believing that it's all about power. Well, they're getting a re-education. The best work comes from the belief in compassion along with the smarts. And being really intelligent doesn't make us right. It doesn't make us right. Everybody is needed. And everybody has a special gift. We can, we have to include everybody for the solutions. I think the think tanks need to be formed where um, advisory groups, um, analysts, uh, researchers need to come together that have high intellect, but not think they're better than anybody and come to solutions for everybody. We never even mentally X others out of the uh, goal and equation of a unified world where every person matters, every life, even animals matter. And that we find solutions collectively without ego involved. Ego has been a big downfall for humanity. And you know what? You're absolutely right. And listen, everyone that has that the breath of life in them is valuable. There is no one worth uh, any more than anyone else, Tom. I completely agree That's with right. you on that. Uh, but you know, I think for for these things to happen, and I and I love the vision that you're putting out there, and I'm I'm in agreement with it, Tom. But for these things to happen, we really have to get rid of the politics. We have to get rid of the left-right divide. And for that stuff to happen, Mm -hmm. the first thing really that has to happen is the mainstream media must fall. 
Yes, absolutely. My son, Aiden, was just doing a um, uh, paper research last night, and I was trying to assist him a little bit because he's, he's maintaining that, like, honor classes. He's a sophomore, and he's getting um, advanced placement classes, like college credit already. So he's really a genius. But one of the subjects came up about that very thing, you know, the idea of um, our world, how it's structured. And uh, repeat what you just said, too, because I want to hit exactly what you said. I want to make sure it ties exactly what you said. Well, to get rid of the uh, the left-right divide, you know, the divide by sexes, divide mm-hmm. by race, the divide by this. Well, it's the media that's perpetrating all that. And, and yeah, it's done on purpose. It. And so the media must fall, at least in its current form. Well, well, that's what I wanted to hit right there. You just brought me back to it. In the teachings of his book for World Studies, it says that America – has a free press, that America is known for having a free uh, media. That is not the case. And so I even made a comment one, and we brought that up for his answer. I He put down the answer he's supposed to put for the purposes of the academia requ- requirements, but academic requirements. But the thing is that that really isn't true in America. You know, we, we have a controlled media by certain um, moguls who can, like six or so, we know, control the whole board. And I've had instances myself where I called a mainstream media person group um, a group, and you expect to get a, either a secretary or someone who's going to be a call board person, right, on a on such a large scale. Instead, the phone picked up and said, what do you want? And I said, well, this is Tom. I know who you are. I was talking to the uh, head person of that particular um, institution. So they knew I was calling. They know. They own the phone systems, everything else. And that's the, that's the answer I got right away, saying there's no story here. They were ready. So what we're saying is it's not a free press at all. And, and what happens is you're right. It needs to fall and it needs to open up because they've also been shutting down, shadowboxing, everything else, and uh, channels getting cut, everything else, to try to keep uh, certain uh, voices from being heard and certain voices uniting to be heard. A lot of interruptions on that. And there's some really big news there. And I guess, you know, I, I didn't think about that beforehand, but I really, when I heard the news yesterday, I almost wanted to jump on and do a show, although I'm supposed to be taking a couple of weeks off here. Um, mm-hmm. but, you know, what the heck? <laughs> I like to work. Uh, but you know, the, the, the truth is, first of all, truth social is growing and growing. They're scaling and scaling. And eventually this is going to be a monster. Uh, you know, with incredible bandwidth and, and that, but plus where the political uh, conversation really is generated is, has been on Twitter traditionally and Elon mm-hmm. Musk just bought a majority share mm-hmm. in the company mm-hmm. of over 10%. Their stocks shot up about 30% after he did that. And he has so much power now. Because if he decided to short that uh, stock, he could collapse, collapse the company. And, you know, he has been going, That's right. coming out and saying, you know, we need to get free speech back. And I'm not painting Elon Musk as a saint by any means, but, you know, it, no. he's against being woke. Right, right. No, I know. I'm, I'm head to head with Elon right now. And uh, it's because of the screenplay and the tech in it, like the Neuralink and everything else is all in there and the uh, recasting by Hollywood for him. So what's going to happen is basically we're going to have these, quote, saviors coming our way that are actually modeled and, and groomed and crafted by the Hollywood and the shallow state. Yeah, and you know what? I, I would suggest that 
he fits that profile that you just described. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, I, I believe that. There's, there's been numerous people. Uh, well, first of all, there's been a bit of an expose on Elon Musk that he is not the genius that uh, people portray him to be. Uh, um, certainly he's intelligent, but he's not the, the genius. Um, he's been put in places. And, and you know, listen, you don't have to know everything about uh, making a rocket to have a rocket company. You know, you have to get the right people. You have to do this. You have to do that. But there has been some very, very powerful people uh, propping him up. There's no doubt. Yeah, that's what I've been told too, Jeff. And, and in fact, he's pushing geniuses out of the way who actually came up with the material. And I'm going to include myself in that too, not to sound heady, just for the sake of moving forward with our dialogue and making points, is that that tech that he's claiming is actually in our screenplay. There's other tech he's claiming too that's not his. It's not his. The inside wants to control all intellectual properties, all ideas, everything else. So they put their own in place, usually failed players in place to um, have that backdoor opportunity to be in-house for the groups that want to control that particular intellectual property or ideas. And that's what's going on. And then they're, they're recast as heroes and geniuses. And they're not. If you, if you watch, um, not to pick on him, but if you watch Elon Musk talk about Neuralink, he can't even explain it from the beginning source. He can't even start. And it's like, it's just so frustrating having been the father of it to watch him talk about it. It's just, it's, it, it makes me pull a hair out. I, I just can't believe it. It's like someone in an elementary school band claiming to be Mozart. So, but what, what you're claiming in this, Tom, is, that really, you know, it goes back to the right-left divide. So now uh, we think we have a hope. We think we have a, a voice coming back again. We think that uh, we're not going to be suppressed. Mm-hmm. We finally get to break out, but it's almost like a setup mm-hmm. again. Yes, yes, absolutely. That's actually in the screenplay. You talked about the immortals. It's actually in there. The warning is in there. It whispers through art, that very warning. And the character that is trying to... Um, be portrayed as that savior kind of person for the public and be looked up to as the person's going to do it, whether they're supposed to sit back and let them do it, um, is actually pushing the uh, higher ups to do false flags sooner to get the thing. So people get more fear to get behind him, gets more donations. He gets more following. It's if you go behind the curtain and see what's really exchanged behind there, especially when you're being groomed and you expose these things, it's very disenchanting. You get to see what actually these people actually talk about, what they actually feel, where their moral base is or lacking, and it's disheartening. It's really disheartening. So, Tom, because you brought that up and because your your script – actually, I, I want you to give, give me the quote you gave me earlier about uh, being 99% right and the other people being 99% wrong. I want you mm-hmm. to start with that quote, but then if you would, Tom, set up – that scene in the screenplay, The Immortals, about how this false hero comes in. And just let us know how that plays out so we can compare your script to present times. Absolutely. Well, first of all, we were talking about the main character here, and I always looked up to him as a great scientist, astrophysicist, um, author, communicator, Neil deGrasse Tyson. So um, he, he's like he brings it home, uh, you know, quantum physics and everything into the home. He makes it palatable, but they turn him into some kind of celebrity. And it's if I'm not 
mistaken. I think uh, Warner Brothers has gotten his hands on him too. And he's from Harvard University, University of Texas, Austin, Columbia University. He's got a great layout, Princeton too. These certain organizations are also tied to my situation, Columbia University, Princeton, very much tied to my own situation. And what's interesting, he's the one that said the quote. He said that basically, this is paraphrasing, of course, that anybody in history, and he gave examples even of um, um, Tesla, who I admire, he said that he gave quotes of them saying that anything someone did predicting the future is 99% wrong. Very interesting. But it turns out that the screenplay of the immortals is 99% right. And so that's alarming. I didn't realize that when I was writing it. It was going to hit on, what, Neuralink, uh, Surrey, um, iPad, um, all that. And that's being written in 1991 to 93. And so all that's there. Internet, everything's there. And so what you have is it disproves what uh, the top players had Neil say, Neil Tyson say. And so I still admire the man for his ability to communicate complex thoughts and bringing them together. But basically, they're buying and packaging him. And I hope he breaks free. But anyway, what happens now is we have the opportunity with almost a prophetic piece saying everything stolen multiple ways. And I shared with you on the phone uh, the one way how they did that three times, you know, and then did it three times again. But let's go ahead right now to your other question about where the scene plays out. Yeah, we're the, in the screenplay. It, yes, perfect. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, in the screenplay itself, the architects uh, is having this character named Dooley. I love the name. Now, what's interesting about the character's name Dooley? Essentially, I just want to bring everyone up. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's what it is. They they took it for the architect of the Matrix. So the architect in our program, and it's a program, and it's based on immortality, and that the rich in the future have immortality, the poor use as pawns. The exact premise is used now by Joel Silver, who had all my work, script and notes, for Alder Carbon, and Warner Brothers, with the same claim, rich in the future have immortality, poor use as pawns, called the greatest sci-fi concept ever in history. They're saying that. That's a real slap in the face. Uh, in Darling in the Franks. And FRA and XX. So they're trying to use up the rest of the story, as Joel Silver said, and take the greatest concepts. Now, the architect is using a character named Dooley. What's interesting is um, uh, Netflix, which is um, basically controlled by Warner Brothers, uh, their legal team went over to um, Netflix. They are now doing things like Black Sails. In Black Sails, you have the character Dooley. It's a fictitious character. Dooley, right from my screenplay. And you have um, Behringer. And you have our submitting attorney, Boyd, uh, who submitted the work. And you have um, these other characters. So they're using all the names as a way to one-up and put in plain sight. We're better than the author we took from. And so that's what I'm informed. So here's the character, Dooley. It's obvious of interest to the other side that's taking this work because they're sticking in their own work. So Dooley. Dooley is a character who is using basically televangelism. He, they, they took it out of the Matrix story. They took it out. They didn't know what to do with it. It was too complex for them. But the idea that he is keeping the people outside the program satiated and down using religion. So he's he's a corrupt man using religion to televise religion to keep the people outside the program from doing any changes, complaining, uprisings, anything. Trying to make them think that they shouldn't be in the program, that it's anti-God, 
while they, he is enjoying all the fruits and benefits of being in the program, the immortal program. So Dooley is complaining that he wants a hit on a hospital. This is before 9-11. This is before the Oklahoma bombings. So I'm whispering through art what the plans were, false flags. And so what happens is he's complaining that's not happening fast enough. He needs his audiences afraid. He needs them to come to him and be controlled. He needs his numbers to go up. And so it really shows you, again, what happens behind the curtain. What do these people actually say? Julie is considered a hero among those outside the program in the original story, in that particular layer in the original work that was not included in the Matrix story. So I think that's pretty interesting that that, that is being done. And that is actually what happens in our society today, worldwide. They create these situations to get people to be either distracted or to follow or to, give, to, to not do anything cohesively and not create any kind of change by being wrapped up in the three-ring circus. And basically with Russia going on right now, now the way it is, that is exactly what's going on. I think Russia's – this whole thing with Putin and what's going on with the allies and everything else was accelerated. It wasn't supposed to happen this soon. But they need a distraction right now worldwide. And, yes, people are dying because they don't care about the smaller people involved. But those people have value, but they don't see it that way. They see it as, you know, they're just going to be necessary in order to get our agendas across. I think Russia, U.S., England, all the players have agreed ahead of time. We are already a one-world society for all intents and purposes. We are already agreed by the shallow state to be one world. And that's one of the premises also in the immortals is that we're going to have a one-world society. It's happening now, and that one-world society is coming about by offering the immortal program, immortality to the elite, to those um, special governing people across different positions around the world, to bring the world together with the idea that you will be part of that program. The rich will have immortality. The poor will be used as pawns. And that's exactly where we are right now with that research accelerating on how to extend life. And that's going to be the offer, the carrot on the stick, to forsake your own populations, take your families, and they always say do it for your family, and create a one-world order. Well, let's talk about the implementation because you said a couple really key things about they need to get their numbers up. People weren't afraid enough. They didn't have enough control. And, you know, so we went right. from the from the Rona to, to World War Three essentially. And, uh, you know, so people are afraid. Mm -hmm. people, well, I don't think people are, are afraid as uh, – are as afraid – of the war as they were of the Rona for the last couple of years, because that just, that really worked well for them. Uh, let, I got a handle mm -hmm. to them yeah. on that. Yep. But what, what they're also getting us ready for Tom, and this really, I think ties back into your script. And it's interesting because, you know, we're already, they're already floating the trial balloons about uploading your consciousness to the cloud. But really, before people do that, I think there's a very important step or two in there. And I think the next step is really the metaverse, this digital universe where people are going to go to work. They're going to operate. They're going to spend half or more of, the, of their life. They won't want to leave the metaverse. It's so good. And does that not create the catalyst? for people to really upload their consciousness. Absolutely. Do you know that that topic, that particular thing was just shown. We just watched the episode from Darling in the Franks, one of the top, top anime shows in the world based out of San Francisco, owned by Warner Brothers out of University of Berkeley and uh, channeled through Sony. 
And so what you've got is this anime with um, Crunchyroll, and that is where they're lifting my work again. And in it, they have everything from the um, uh, mirror devices that you pass through if you're in the program, the girl actually taking our protagonist through it, just like in our, you saw in our script. And we've got the um, uh, erasing of memories, the dome. We've got the sevens on the clock, the sevens and twos. We've got the idea of um, children being manufactured and only the best and desirable will be maintained. The rest will be discarded. Um, and the rich having immortality, the poorest use of pawns. Now, in that thing it shows in the later episodes like the fourth to the last basically or third to the last it shows the consciousness of the people going up into space into the collective into being in the collectors they're being collected and so what you just described is exactly what they're showing now they drip feed everything first and it's almost to say well you saw it it was right in front of your face we showed you what we were going to do and you didn't object no no everybody's going to pick it up of course they have a rule to show it in plain sight first. You know, there's another movie that has really been on my mind, and I really have, I haven't seen it since the 70s. It was a 70s movie, but it was brought to my recall, and I've been wanting to watch it and actually maybe even do a show related to it. I don't know if you're going to be familiar with it, Tom. A, a movie called Logan's Run. I know it very well. Very well. Yeah. yeah. And, and so in that, uh, just to, to set the scene for everyone listening in the audience, in the movie The Logan's Run from the 1970s, essentially uh, people, when they turned 30 years old, they would be, you know, essentially evaporated and they'd move on to the next. And it was only supposed to be a young, clean world, you know, and uh, – and at 30, you're gone, right? And and it's a big celebration. You know, everyone's cheering for those who are ascending to the uh, to the next world. And then, of course, there's uh, there's Logan and the and the female counterpart, uh, if I remember correctly. And you know, he did he didn't want to die. <laughs> you know, he didn't believe this stuff, no. so, so he right. wins. And that's the premise of the movie. But were they foreshadowing something there as well, Tom? I believe so, absolutely, because Universal Studios did it also with um, the series, with a uh, Star Trek series where there was a Captain Archer, and they showed the um, uh, one, I think it was the doctor getting upset, that this alien doctor, where they are seeing a race of people where when you get a certain age, you have a special celebration where you are then euthanized. It doesn't matter. You're not sick at all. But is their culture to make way for the young? And so, you know, another uh, again, they copy each other all the time. And these are another one of the players. I think, of course, yes, that was foreshadowing. They were they've been thinking for a long time on what to do with surplus population. Right. And if it's almost like Charles Dickens, the utilitarian philosophy. Yeah, that, that was really, yeah. really. So that's from, another, yeah. from their perspective, surplus. Yeah, that's not my perspective, but theirs. Yes, surplus population. And so that's basically Charles Dickens' idea, or back when his period he's writing about, where the idea is, you know, hard times and stuff, where if you're not useful to society, then you're not useful to society. You should make out, get out of the way, out of courtesy, get out of the way. You're not useful. That's reflected in Darling in the Franks also. And it's also in the Immortals. So you've got this idea that that's what people are going to be doing. They're going to start thinking. And what's interesting is this selfishness that's entered into society, this idea that success and power only. My sister's bought into it completely when she was bought, 
a brother too. So what you've got is that it changes them. Once you get absorbed, I've seen it firsthand. Once you start to absorb the idea of success and power is all there is, then you lose any touch with humanity. Any compassion goes out the door. You put your feelings in the freezers, as they say. And that's all to be promoted and ranked up. So that's that's how it's being done. And even uh, Pat Robertson has said, you know, that if you're successful, that's God blessing you. If you're not successful, then you're a wannabe. And he talks about this, his laws he talks about, which is pretty chilling, where if you're successful, that's God blessing you. And so it's it's what you're seeing is those that are having power, like the dually that we described, with the architect, justifying that they're good, they're right, because of either setting their terms and putting it into God, saying that this is God's view and God's law, that I am better than you because I'm successful. And in fact, my cousins even employed this on this microcosm of my life. They said that um, certain parties that burned us terribly and did these 302 attempts and all this stuff and false accusations and you name it, where Aiden sees me hauled off in the middle of the night by SWAT teams. She actually, they actually said that, yeah, well, she's doing this, but she's successful. That's their go-to thing now, saying if you're successful, you're in the right. And basically now they're asking for um, impunity for um, certain officials, police officers, things like this. They're trying to say that anybody that does wrong cannot be prosecuted. Basically, if they're successful, we're watching, we're seeing that division come, that, that chasm form where those that they want, that they consider unuseful, being shut aside to a third world status, basically, where those that are considered, they like to call themselves elite, and that's what I was offered all the time, said you're one of the elite now, Tom. They are on the other side. You're seeing that big chasm form. That's like putting them in the dump truck, and then it's going to turn at some point. Unless it stopped, that dumping will occur like soil and grain. You know, it's such a fine line, and it's funny. You, you talk about this, about being blessed by God and the success. And, you know, I, I know of yeah. someone right now who, you know, is just, you know, kind of come into success for the first time in, in their life. And, you know, throw, they're kind of throwing out the things that got them there. And, and, and listen, I did that yeah. uh, to an extent when I was younger. I, uh, I made some money and then, you know, I, I didn't handle it well and God took it away from me. Um, but you know, mm -hmm. there's a reason why Jesus says you cannot serve me and mammon. He could have said you right. cannot serve the Lord and the devil at the same time. Um, mm -hmm. of course there are people who serve the devil and, uh, and claim to be, uh, working for the Lord. So, uh, but he said mammon particularly because, you know, God can certainly bless people and God has blessed people throughout the ages. You know, look at, uh, you know, David, look at even Solomon, even you know, where a lot of this stuff mm -hmm. roots from. Uh, we're definitely mm -hmm. blessed by the favor of God, but then look what they did with it. And, and it's such oh a fine line. You know, if you, I think to really be blessed, you have to let it flow through you because you know that God is the supplier of everything. And absolutely, Jeff. And you got to keep your compassion. You got to keep your compassion. Yeah. Because power with compassion does not corrupt. Power doesn't corrupt absolutely if you have compassion. That's your anchor. You know, but go ahead. I think I interrupted you. Go yeah, ahead. No, no. Listen, that's great. Uh, yeah. Compassion really is the key, but. 
but even even on a higher note, just understanding that it's not yours. You've only been entrusted right. to do it. And so it's such a fine line. And when you look at people, well, it's hard to tell where their head's at, you know. Um, but I guess mm-hmm. you just can tell by the fruit. But, wow, there's so Absolutely. Much, so if see, yeah. If you see changes in their behavior where they become arrogant, something's wrong in Oz. So an arrogance seems to be the thing that takes hold. It's a human meter, you know, telltale meter, that if you see arrogance suddenly change in one of your friends or loved ones, they become entirely arrogant while they feel they're being successful. They've lost, they lost their board. They lost their surfboard. You know, well, they're on the sea without a boat. One word, but I would suggest pride would be the word because what is the middle letter in pride? It is I. I, 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 yeah, I did this. I built this empire. I did this. And, uh, you know, as soon as you start, when someone starts saying, I did this, I did this, I did this, you kind of know, okay, there's a shift there. That's right. You know, people often made fun of me in the past for saying we. You'll notice I always say we. We did this. We created this. We did this. And they're like, what are you, divided mentally? But no, I always say we because I believe in it's all of us that create. It's all of us together that's going to make it. So I'm going to continue saying we. You know, I just want to say that because without the rest of us, there is no I. So I, I have to think of it in that mentality that um, you guys, everyone out there is a gift. You know, as, as a human being, it's a gift to have so many people on the planet. Yeah. So many life forms along with. There's nothing wrong with saying, Tom, that, I, you know, I wrote the script, um, you know, the immortals, for instance. And, you know, but you've also said, but you think that, you know, God really downloaded it to you. And, you know, it'd be the same thing as oh, yeah. I started this podcast, but it's nothing without everyone who's here listening to it. Right. Absolutely. That's what I meant. So it can be either way. You can say I or we. And I don't take offense either way. I think that either one is good. And uh, it leads to discussion on what their perspectives are anyway. So um, I think so many times people have been editing each other and um, putting down. We've been we've been conditioned to tear each other down. Basically, if you look at our media, which is like you said, we've said it was not free. The media has an agenda. You see all these talking points. I love when they stack the talking points together. You see the same people saying the same thing over and over and over and over again. Talking points is one of the tactics that have been used by the monkeys running the ship. And so, you know, you look at what they're saying and they're trying to divide. They use anything from race to issues to and they just harp on it. And I can't believe it'd be great to have some real news out there with people that just want to give good news, just want to I mean, true news, because the majority in the world is good news. You can find good news all over the place on different levels, but they're not good. They're going to concentrate on horror, disaster because it gets the ratings up. It'd be great to see news when ratings aren't applied and ratings don't factor and when the money game's done. It'll be interesting to see what news turns out to be then. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how this shakes out. And, you know, you just kind of bringing it full circle, Tom. You know, there's there's a good chance that we, the people, pull this out and live for, you know, at least a number of years in kind of a, a, a new world, uh, we have a chance to topple the elite system, uh, the cabal that's been running this and take it back for ourselves and really lift each other up and not be divided. Like, to, you know, for people to think that, 
you know, when, when they say that everyone's racist and stuff like that, man, I don't know a racist mm-hmm. anymore. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I can't find them. I mean, yeah. I know, I know, seriously, it's like a dying dinosaur. But yeah, another thing I'm thinking too, Jeff, is that just think of it this way. It's human nature to want to be in the party. It's a human nature to be at the party, to feel the excitement, huge land or islands or something like this. Think of this scenario and invited only certain people who had the right heart, invited certain people that had the right talents, and they plugged in people to this certain area, almost like a corporation, but a free society where you're invited only if you have a certain proven compassion, certain proven um, heart and caring and uh, work that you, you've proved through work, not words, and you've been observed and you're invited in. I think that would turn the attention of many, many key players where they would feel like, wait, there's something I can't have the better piece of the pie. I can't be the top dog. I can't be allowed to something. It would drive certain moguls crazy because they would no longer be invited to the party. The whole basis of celebrity in Hollywood is that they are the top and other people want to be them. But when you look at them behind the curtain, there's nothing there. They're blemished and, and and probably worse than a lot of people on the planet. Certainly are. I can vouch for that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm thinking they would want to be part. You, you have a situation where somebody's going to get a brainstorm and create a society, a free society, where certain people won't be invited because they've done wrong. And it's going to drive them absolutely crazy because it will be popular, stylish, classy, and uh, some amazing people making amazing things happen, and these people on the outside won't be able to take any more intellectual property, won't be able to take these ideas, because in that inner castle, in that inner circle, in this place of sanctuary, you're going to have um, a haven where nothing gets stolen. People are working for a better world, apart from the game and apart from the money game. You watch this happen. We're going to have a part in the world where a new society is going to form a free society, and it won't matter on your race. It won't matter on anything except... Have you had a heart, compassion, and do you do you have a creative spark? Do you want to make a difference in the world? And we'll take the world back a piece at a time, making it better. So you know what? I, I just when, – whenever you're talking, I'm always thinking, how do we get there? How do we do this? And, and you know, first of all, I got to say, you know, we, we know what the enemy's plans are. We know what the satanic uh, cabal is doing. We know what the depopulationists – we know they're – trying to invert sexuality. They're trying to invert everything to be the opposite of God. But what is God doing in these days? And that is really the big question. And, you know, I'm just thinking, you know, God never, God never promised that his people wouldn't go through hard times. Okay. I want to be really clear about that, but, you know, to get to that sort of society where things are turned over and God has, you know, given the humble of this world the things that are of value and the elite of the worlds who hogged everything and have it taken away from them, well, how how does that come about? Could that be the shortages that are coming? You know, where, where well, the, rich man, the rich man comes to the poor man, but the rich man never stocked up because he ate out every night, you know, <laughs> and... Right. uh and the poor man said, yeah. well, you didn't, you know, I was begging on the street and you walked by me. Well, take that to the microcosm. Let's, let's break it down again. In my situation, what am I worth? The opposition now says I'm worth billions. There's a lot of people like me, like yourself, that are worth a lot, according to the game being played right now. And the, the people that call themselves elite know that. That's why they always pull the chair out for us. They always offer us 
to join their side, right? I'm not in the party, but that's the reverse. Uh, just so you know. <laughs> What's that? I, I'm not at the what party. I didn't get invited. I I think you've been noted as somebody who's really really um, somebody to watch and a special person. I think so. Just like myself, how many times I've been recruited? It's like they they look at genius and creativity and the ability to think in layers and factor things, and it's like it does not go unnoticed, even our educational system. And so yeah, I think our educational system. They didn't put me on the bus with the rest of the kids. They brought a small bus. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, I'm noting it. I'm noting your abilities. I know they're there. That's why you know I'm like I call you too. It's like I see you know you are a person that fits. You know, the ones that a mover, a shaker, a, really a person that can um, make things happen. You watch human nature and people will often in crisis look to somebody. They instantly assess often who can help us, who can help my family, who can help me. And they look about and they gravitate to those they think are strong leaders. And it's, it's an instant assessment, you know, in times of turmoil. You, people gravitate to who they feel safe around. And often it's with a sixth sense, if you will. Of this person seems approachable. They seem um, solid. They seem that they would protect me. And people work along that line. There's something about human nature where we have, an, in times of crisis, we're able to assess instantly who can we count on. And I think that's one of the saving graces of humanity that we've survived some real um, traumatic events, even the survival during the Ice Age and things like this. I think this factored in who is a good leader who can we count on that's been diluted and destroyed in our time and that's why people like elon musk are promoted they want to imitate the image of that but people in their core are seeing right through it they're seeing right through it that sixth sense that i'm just going to call it a sixth sense they can see right through that's not the answer that's not the guy i go to he's like wearing a mask that looks like he's a hero but that looks like a costume who can we really count on and I think, Jeff, you're one of those guys that people would look at and say, here's somebody we can count on. It's 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 an ability that humans have to spot. Well, and we are in a time. Well, you know what? Where does that ability come from? And something that I'm even guilty of myself, and I've been working on this for years, Tom. But, you know, for instance, if anyone has gone to networking meetings, you know, you're starting a business. So you start going to networking meetings. You want to start to get get clients or, you know, get other business contacts and stuff like that. There's an evaluation process that goes through your mind right away. What's in it for me with this person? And mm -hmm. one of the things that I've found, Tom, and I've really learned this through experience and it's been humbling, um, is, you know, you, you think that the, the person in the fancy suit or whatever is, you know, there's real smooth talker is the one who can help you because they say all the right things. But it's usually uh -huh. the quiet person in the corner that's the, really the yeah. one that you want to talk to. That is so true. That is so true. And uh, have we not been known as quiet ones? I mean, that's it's like it, I can't wait for a gathering. That was the screenplay I said was supposed to do this. It's supposed to be a code. The code in the screenplay, the code in the Immortals Matrix, whatever, is supposed to bring uh, good people together, good people that have a heart, compassion talents cross disciplines and we can make we can work well together to solve world problems so much faster than anything tank that ever existed and so that's one of the things i wanted to do and create studios with it so that's i'm always looking that way i'm always that's part of my, my story that's what i wrote that's what my heart and passion is and that's why we're talking too i think it helped connect us 
So, and people out there, other people out there, I think this is an answer. If you got the wherewithal and the talents and the heart and you got compassion, you'll know if you actually do. And um, disciplines that are unique and special, join the club. Let's let's make things right. We, like myself, I'll say I, own, I have the copyright that precedes Matrix. There's no copyright Matrix. We've got their attorneys on a barrel with what we have. All they did was throw a case and then claim that's their talking point over it. You lost this case. That's all they put out. But the thing is, if I get credit back, I mean, he's not, I, for the work for Aid and I and for our world, everything changes. If I'm known as the guy who actually did it, I got the proof, right? The inserts they did, the high school, the clock, all that stuff, the birthday, on the clock, in the Animatrix, in the Matrix itself. So if that restores name credit, already we've got another way forming to change and to, and I can make a trail blaze for other good people, and I've got my eyes on some good people, you included. So we have our irons in the fire. We have, basically for us, it's restoring our rights that are already proven, even though they used a bought judicial system, a rigged judicial system, to throw any opportunity a due process out the door. And in my case, they even supplied an attorney who has suspended license, ineligible to practice law. So that's how they threw it right away. You know, yeah, yeah. their own guy, a classmate, their attorney. So, so, so we can change, for those change that, the world. We can change for it. For those in our audience who are familiar with your story, because when we talked earlier, you gave me, and you just, you did it so fast. It was like a whirlwind. Um, yeah. But if you could uh, take us from, you know, what's happened in the last couple of weeks and give give our audience an update. And now just to, for those of you who don't know Tom's story, so this has been ongoing. It's been a court battle, as court, Tom just alluded to. Uh, it was fixed in court. There was all kinds of stuff that happened, but there's been some real movement recently. So, Tom, pick it up from there. All right. So basically, we, we came from a situation where they believe the end justifies the means, the other side of this, the powers to be, right, movie moguls and such. And so what they do is they make sure Disney and Warner Brothers there's Universal Studios, Steven Spielberg. What they do is they make sure that your case is thrown, the ends justify the means, and just keep hammering home. You lost the case, you lost the case, end of story. It's not. There's fraud on fraud. Fraud has no statute of limitations. So with a fraud on fraud, which includes, like I said, providing an attorney with a suspended license ineligible to practice law in California, that was supposed to make it so that my case was lost right away. Provide me my own attorney with a honeypot wife who she had been, he had been her landlord. It was all set up ahead of time. So what happens is you have that throwing it. Then you have him not filing as an attorney, but filing pro per and not serving the defendants in time. The case is thrown twice. Then they have it where um, they're past deadlines. The case is thrown three times. Then they have it where the opposing firm from Warner Brothers stipulated that they could file the defendants. And Jeff, here's the question for audiences too. If you've won your case, Granted, through fraud and default. If you won your case through bad means, why would you stipulate to serve your defendants? Why would Joel Silver want to be served as a defendant? Why would he want his attorneys to stipulate that it could be done? They want your work. They've already thrown your case. So they're going to stipulate that you can, they can be served, that your case can go on because they're going to control it. They got a planet attorney. And that's something. And so what happens is the attorneys that allowed, uh, this Rankin to be reinstated, was one of those attorneys. They're the ones that sponsored it to be reinstated. Doesn't it give a clear spotlight that something's wrong here in Oz? 
And so what happens is then they proceed, no discovery, no depositions. In fact, their attorneys said, you're going to do, we should do telephonic depositions. Then my my attorney said, you should do telephonic depositions. He kept repeating whatever he said like a parrot. He tried to argue that telephonic depositions of the defendants would be more advantageous than face-to-face ones. Really? But he said that you won't be able to ask any questions. Only soft questions would be answered if they did it. And that Joel Silver had nothing to do with the Matrix trilogy. Joel Silver is the producer of the Matrix and co-owner of the Matrix franchise. So he kept arguing he has nothing to do with it. And he even said that I was grandiose delusions for saying Joel Silver was involved in any way. Really? He's on the credits. So that's what I was going through. They also said that the judge, and I'll, I'll try to not show this, um, uh, the judge that was put in place was picked by Bush and his dream team. Newsweek called it his dream team. That's Pat Robertson's Law and Justice Center, right? Jay Seclo. So the and why did he, he form that organization? He said he didn't want to be a second class citizen anymore. He was going to put judges in place that would make conservative decisions to counter liberal ones, which translates to judges in place that will rule that way he wants, regardless of evidence. And that's exactly why Gary Cosner was the first appointee of Bush to California court to prepare for this very thing. After Robertson's uh, people or uh, professors under Robertson made sure that my work was delivered strictly to Disney and Universal Studios, where Joel Silver was. They made sure it happened because Ned and Judy Nankovich of Robertson's organization came to me and said, we are we just got top positions from the East Coast to the West Coast, top positions in the Universal and Disney's story department development departments. Wow. How? You're not even writers. Uh, she was um, the one was just a model agent. So there she is ending up in the story department. And my work goes right to Michael Eisner and Mike Lang. And my work goes right to Jill Silver at Universal Studios. So that's how it began. And that's something. And if you look at Mike Lang, I'm glad we're talking about this. Mike Lang started in 1993 when I submitted. He was the boss of Harvey Weinstein, and he started Miramax Films. Miramax Films is under Disney. Miramax Films, the purpose of Mike Lang's position and Miramax Films, was to acquire the rights of intellectual property that Disney didn't own, but they considered part of their Disney library in a Jersey warehouse, right? Hard copy scripts in the early 90s like the Immortals. So that was – and what they came down to was the solution as they went to film tracks then was that the idea was that if an author dies, you could force it through the courts no, without contesting that the work is actually Disney's. You wait for the author to die. So you, you set up the race to do that. It's interesting that Mike Lang is the one that actually takes my honeypot wife back to him on my, my birthday, and Aiden loses his mom with an email series out of the blue from Mike Lang's at Zion saying, Becca, move in with me for 60 days at Spokane, Washington, Playground of Hollywood the most expensive historic building, Langs on Howard. So what you've got is this whole game being played out. And who was the handoff firm in Pasadena? Rios and Associates. And the paralegal was Mary Mespinoza. Well, who was she? She is the relative of Lenny Coco. Lenny Coco was the one that Pat Robertson, through a, a student of his, had me pitched to Lenny Coco, who gave it to Bonaventura. It is all contained in one little circle. So what happened with the case? It's thrown. No discovery at all. While their attorneys admitted on tape that they have no working drafts of the Matrix, no scripts whatsoever, no notebooks, nothing at all. You cannot create a film without working drafts. And you've got Joel Silver on the set in 2003 
saying, we hope we use up the rest of the story. We hope when we watch the rushes, so yeah, Jill Silver's involved. We hope that when we watch it, it'll tie together. If you actually wrote the script, you would know. But now we're told by the fight choreographer, follow this, that my script, Immortals, was used on set, and they had a visual storyboard along the other hand and made up as they went along. They admitted it in Matrix 4 that they make it up as they go along now. And so the work was written after they shot it, their version. But there's no copyright on it because they didn't have a work to copyright. So they used mine on set, and there's a 20-foot rule that if you're going 20 feet, you're fired. Fans of the work know that. So now what happens when the case is thrown and we don't get the chance, it's thrown, the evidence is blocked, everything done like that, and they used um, this Sophia Stewart lady to say, you know, you can't claim Matrix 1, I do, you claim 2 and 3. She worked for Rankin, the attorney. She worked for Warner Brothers, and she was supposed to be a first claimant. So what happens is by not claiming Matrix 1 or not being allowed to by the attorney 2 that was provided, they claim that any matchups in Matrix 1 don't count if they're in 2 and 3 because you didn't claim 1. I wasn't allowed to claim 1. I wanted to claim 1. So everything was fraud right down the right down the lane, including a stipulation order, a ruling that needed my signature, didn't have it. They forced it through anyway that said it's for attorneys' eyes only, bought attorneys and their attorneys, not for judge, jury, or me. Why? Because, Jeff, there was no evidence. They admitted on tape that they have no evidence. They tried to say that it's a mute point to ask for even initial discovery or discovery at all, which I never got, because they said we have no evidence. Well, then you should have lost your case. So jump in. Ahead. What happens in 2014? I'll nutshell this. When the case is thrown, Joel Silver, Warner Brothers, and Wachowskis each have their take on the work, right? They each have their own take. So they decide it's open season. The case is thrown. We're going to put in the public. He lost his case. He lost his case. He lost his case. No other details. They don't want to. They would look, look bad if they were details. So right away, the Wachowskis announced Sense8 in 2014. Right away. They said it's too big to write down. Didn't even write a word down. Million dollar deal with Netflix right off the top. It was all situated and arranged. The attorneys for Warner Brothers go to Netflix Netflix to cover for them, and they do Sense8, all about their memories being used and stuff. It's all in the Immortals, all that. They want to use They have my notes. They have my scripts, everything given. In fact, the attorney that was provided said, I want to give them everything they want and be done with this. Great. While he had a contract that said if I ever got rid of him, I would lose everything. It was an illegal contract. He didn't want it shown. We're going to be showing it. So now, quickly, Joel Silver, what he did was do Oblivion with Disney. Disney, there it is, Disney Warner Brothers. I mean, Disney Warner um, Universal Studios owned by Warner Brothers or with Warner Brothers. So what Robertson had sent in, they held for Joel Silver. So right when it's thrown, they announce Oblivion using the same scenes from the Immortals, identical figures facing off at the end, little girl pointing to the daddy, all that stuff going on, the pods, all that. And the names of the main characters are Julie and Jack, the two siblings that sold out so badly in my situation. Honor and nod to them. And this is Joel Silver. He even has a situation where he says he's right. There's a novel being written for Oblivion, right? And they're not going to finish it now. No need to. Since the case is thrown, they're not going to finish the novel because it was supposed to be plausible source material. They don't need it now. The case is thrown. So they're not going to use a novel. Now you're finishing it. Don't even need the cover. So Oblivion for Joel Silver. Uh, Sensei for the Wachowskis, what is Warner Brothers doing? The other defendant, their take on the work since they had all the notes and scripts of me for me. So they announced Elysium through so- Sony. And it's all the same thing with the downloaded memories, cut out with a shard of glass, used you know, crossing into the uh, other area where you have the uh, program. All that's there. All that's there and more. And so that's three defendants do that. Now, what's interesting, Jeff, is in 2016, when they throw the malpractice case, that was a nightmare. That was an absolute circus with the planted people. And uh, one of the things they did was they had 
the guy named um, Alan Avada or something, who was part of, again, the, the paralegal for um, a reason associates, who was um, uh, in the court system that made sure I went to Rios and Associates at the handoff firm. And it, it turns out, he, he shows on his LinkedIn, he's endorsed by Call He's endorsed for litigation support. So that's how... Are you still there? I'm here, but you were cutting out just slightly. They won't want this heard. I mean, we have interruptions. Every time I get to the meat of it, it's going to get interrupted. Yeah. It'll be interrupted. They own, like if you look at what happens here, Warner Brothers owns AT and T, right, and CNN News. Uh, Disney owns um, ABC News. They actually own phones, securities, computers, everything else. Yeah, and so these are mega monopolies, and they can disrupt anything. Yeah. Yeah. I have AT and T, so they actually own the phone system on right now. They can disrupt it any time. We'll hear echoes. We'll see numbers print across the screen. We'll have phone calls cut. But they're gonna they're gonna disrupt this right now because this is too important. What you have is, like I said, let me recap real quick and I'll wrap this up for you. So Warner Brothers, have, all the defendants have their take after they throw our case and badly throw it. Warner Brothers does Elysium through Sony when they bailed them out for a great Gatsby. I've done my homework. Uh, Joel Silver does Oblivion, held by Disney, of course, one of the main players, the father of intellectual property ripoff, basically. Then you've got Wachowskis with Netflix doing Sense8, all announcing it at once. There you go. Now, what happens was the malpractice case is thrown on Rankin um, when he had done everything under the sun. Where they even told me at the Bar Association he will never work again with his suspended license and everything. But he got off scot-free. They made sure it happened. They contacted judges, things like that. So what happens when that case is thrown in 2017? You have uh, Joel Silver announcing Alder Carbon. The premise, rich in the future have immortality, the poor is used as bonds. Sounds familiar. That's right from our work. The greatest sci-fi concept ever in history of film. That's on Netflix. They post that. Well, that's my concept that they had through discovery. They had the scripts and all the notes from me, and they couldn't wait to steal it again. So Joel Silver does Alder Carbon. As soon as the car the car actually runs me down, and then my son Sean is killed. That's how deep this gets. And when that happened, Joel Silver took his name off of Alder Carbon. I survived the hit and run. So he takes his name off of Alder Carbon, appears later. Incidentally, earlier in 2012, we first came forward, Joel Silver was severed as a 25-year relationship with Warner Brothers, a big article on it, and then comes back six months later after it's being thrown. Dog being dodging and coming back. So what's interesting is the same place that the director came from, USC, is where Sophia Stewart came from, USC. They draw from the same alumni group. Now, here's the fun part. What, what was the take of the other defendants again when the malpractice is thrown? So they each had their own take after the case is thrown in 2014. In 2017, when the case is thrown, they go ahead and each have their own take too. And this is where it gets interesting, I think. So we said in the second time around, we have Warner Brothers – doing a whole thing, again from University of Berkeley, where all these attorneys are from, Darling in the Franks. This anime is everywhere. Based out of San Francisco, the uh, Crunchyroll company was out of University of Berkeley, like these attorneys came from. And it also was Warner Brothers, and they channeled through Sony to do this thing. What's the premise in um, Darling with the Franks, which is all over the world right now hot? The rich in the future have immortality. The poor is used as bonds. They had to also do it like the other defendant, Joel Silver, did. 
So Warner Brothers didn't even not holding back now in it. You've got everything from um, liquid mirror, the mirrors where you or the um, security walkthroughs that they get through. Where the girl pulls the uh, protagonist through like an art screenplay because he's cut from the program. She pulls him through. You've got the um, thing where the memories are erased. You've got the dome. You've got the seven twos on the clocks. You've got the um, segregated society. You've got the children, youth being artificially made and then they cut them off if they're not useful. You've got um, on and on it goes. It's just it's just crazy where they've got all these things in there, and that's Warner Brothers through Sony. See again at the same time, Joel Silver is. So what do the Wachowskis do for their second steal when the case is thrown? They can't wait. They're they're like clockwork. They go right away to steal their greed. They do. They announce Matrix Four, and that's around 2017, 2018 when the car ran me down. Now when the car missed me, you've got um, Warner Brothers delaying. Darling in the Franks. You've got Joel Silver taking his name off of Alder Carbon, then coming back, saying that the Matrix is postponed indefinitely. Merchandise on the shelf. They blame it on COVID. No, it's because I'd survived. The whole policy of Disney was when the author is dead, you can push through claiming the material unhindered. Don't flip over your shoulder anymore. Isn't that incredible? It really is. So, Tom, uh, you know, you've been through so much. It's been a long journey, man. It, it's been 30 years now. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's incredible how you've stayed on top of it. You, what you're doing is so important. And uh, I just thought we, because it's a rare opportunity because we're on this uh, particular platform. And, and stay tuned to the end because I have some important announcements that uh, you'll want to hear. But I've got time to take one Maybe two quick questions for Tom. If you want to call in and give a question for Tom, then please do, but just try to make it concise if you don't mind. So we might be able to get one more on after you. So the phone lines are open. Feel free to call in to say hi to Tom and ask any questions or make a comment. Sure. I should have asked you, Tom, if that's okay, but I just know you love them. Oh, I'm, I'm all for it. One of the things they do is they always talk about, you know, he reads from a script. Their people are always reading scripts. And Wachowskis are always reading off of scripts. I like to show that we're not reading off of scripts. So I like the idea of questions. It puts us on the spot to just answer as they come. So I'm all for and it. By the way, one question that came up in chat already, Tom, is they said that uh, you should make a movie about this. And, Tom, why don't you talk about your documentary while we're waiting to see if someone wants to call in? No, great. I love it. Thank you for having said that. Um, the idea is, yes, it's actually attorneys in Hollywood said they got – it's the term chicken skin, I think they say. They've been saying they got chicken skin. Uh-oh. I hope skin question because or the idea is that they're saying that they put you in your own film, Tom, talking to third person. That's they tell me. So in order to be more important or more clever than authors and actual original creators, they try to control you, lead the bear, control you, put you into their scenarios. Now, what's interesting is the reverse actually happens. They say, like their expert witness said, Tom has created a fantastic world. I'm not tooting a horn. I'm just saying if that's the case. Then they're entering our world that we that we know. They're on our turf. So I think it's really interesting that to try to control us, they have to enter our world where they feel they put us into. 
It enters into a whole new layered idea, Jeff, and audiences too. Like, what a world you can create from that, where someone feels they are the ultimate power, but they have to enter your world in order to uh, work you. And what's interesting is you look at the story of Christ. What does it say? God sent his only son. So he's the pro on and working within it. And they're not, if you will. As far as the documentary, we've got an amazing team that is just doing fantastic and a thorough. We did some shooting in Arizona recently. And um, there were some events that followed around that where they were contacted by certain players. One, you know, I won't say his name. I'm not even going to mention. But they contacted the documentary team. Don't work this. Don't do this. They're freaking out. They are really upset, the players involved in this, because the documentary team is doing a stellar job, an absolute stellar job. And they got some top people doing it. And when can we expect And uh, we will see it. I think within a year it's going to be ready. So right now it's on my shoulders to use this platform to get them the evidence. There's so much to this story. And it's like we look at it as the other side will say it's too convoluted. It's overwhelming. That's part of the strategy, Jeff, is they say that if they do too much to you, then the world's not going to pay attention or be interested because there's too much to do it. As writers, can you have too much material? With people having writers, can you have too much material? Can you have too much good material if you're right? No. It's like we look at it as gold nuggets on a field, just nuggets all over the place. And we can choose which ones to bring forward. And if you look at other documentaries pertaining to this kind of subject, like um, The Fingers Family with Batman story, which Bob Rossi turned me on to. This other one with Bob Ross that Aiden turned me on to. You look at they don't really have a lot of evidence. But with us, we got tons that are hard Hitting. It's like bombshells all over the place, including the inserts in the Matrix itself. Like we said, with the high school, my birthday, my dad's name, our Scottish clan name, my name, TA4099, the column TA, I'm Boris4099, in front all that. And then my clock, the clock face in Animatrix with 7259, my exact birthday, one before the 60. Oh, you can't get around this. Tom Park Althouse backwards on the screen in Animatrix. This is on redpillrising.org. They cannot get around this evidence. It's not – they're trying to say it's too much for people to handle. They even put that in Game of Thrones that people can't handle too much. The thing is they can. I wrote because I believe audiences are intelligent, and they are going to get it. We're going we're gonna to collectively educate the, those uh, people who have been causing all the problems, the monkeys at the helm. We're going to reeducate them and show them what real people can do. Well, you know, one of the things you brought up, Tom, is, you know, they make it so complicated, and that has always been their tactic, and uh, and Rachel just pointed that out as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, for conspiracy theorists, so we're we're called, you know, when we say it goes, all the governments are working together, and and, and, and people just think, well, it's impossible. It's impo- It's too big. And so that's why they try to make it that mm-hmm. way, but... But you're right. When you can just take it and you start compartmentalizing it and prioritizing it, you just listen. How do you chop down a tree? You just start taking swings of the tree, right? You know, and you start taking it apart one one swing at a time. Well, you hit something, Jeff. Just think of this: the script that you saw that you have in hand that's copyrighted, 128 pages, right? That was going to be replaced with eight pages of scribbled notes. They altered my poor man's packet, which is where you mail the script to yourself when you first initialize, right, to show that you created a certain date and you don't open that sealed envelope. Their attorneys opened it uh, behind the scenes. They had the paid-off attorney open it, rip it apart, shred, and pull out the story treatment 
They took out the first page of the story treatment and the full script, put in scribbled notes, and they tried to put the story treatment back in, but they lost the first page because the notarized statement was on the back of the first page. Then they scrambled to the depositions to reinsert it from their own offices. They had stole it. But the real boner, like problem with, with it was we preceded that with the submission by James Boyd of Norfolk. He had submitted the work, script, uh, music, everything else. I'm very passionate about it. Yes, I am. Because he had preceded that poor man's packet. So why would he have a script and music and breakdown sheets and everything and uh, a full story treatment if I put into the poor man's packet months later eight pages of scribbled notes? And that's what got them. And there's a tape of the whole thing where you see them even saying, the planet attorney saying, let's get that Tom Old has his hands before he has a chance to screw it because he knew he had tampered with it. So he's saying, you go ahead and copy it all and bring it back because they wanted to reinsert it. But they couldn't find it. The excuse of their attorney, get this, Linda Burrow of Warner, of Caldwell Leslie and Proctor, Warner Brothers, top attorney of the three that they had. Her excuse for coming back so late from the copy machine, but they couldn't find the stuff to place back in. They hadn't found it yet. You can see them scrambling around. We're waiting and waiting. She comes back and she says, you know, I've often mocked people for not being able to work copy machines. But I got to tell you, after I copied the first a couple of pages, I forgot how to work it. Are you kidding me? <laughs> because they got to the place where they needed to read that page. See how stupid they are? Yeah. It's going to be a great story. People are going to get it, and it's going to be an amazing story. And I appreciate the comment being asked. The comment you are being a good uh, storyteller, Tom. And, of course, uh, some people have sent some virtual gifts to you that are worth noting. Uh, people are showing you. Tom, uh, much like I do, I really do care about you. I do feel like you're a brother of mine. Thank you. You know, God brought us together uh, in this crazy world that uh, two of us have met, and I really do appreciate your friendship. So, uh, and I want to thank everyone oh, you here as well tonight. Uh, just a couple quick announcements before we end off. Uh, yes, I am still technically on holiday. If you caught the very beginning of the show, uh, literally this came together with no notice. It just so happened I was available. I uh, got Tom, we did a test, got him big on uh, Podbean, and we said, let's do a live. And that's why there was about 15 minutes notice. Uh, there will be a military analyst show Wednesday. There possibly might be another Podbean live on Friday. Not sure. I've uh, actually been taking care of a lot of domestic stuff. And, and quite honestly, I'll just share with my audience, anyone who's in my inner circle, uh, I've actually slept for the last seven days. <laughs> like I've, I've had a good night's sleep for the last seven days and it's been really amazing. So just, uh, taking some time. I, I'm definitely been hearing from God. God has been bringing some th things to my mind. Um, we want to come back and, uh, and just be refreshed and, uh, and go in for the, you know, a good push for you guys going into summer. And so really do appreciate it. But if you can catch the military analyst, that's 1 p.m. Eastern. Standard time on Wednesday, possibly a show on uh, Friday, but there won't be a Saturday sermon. There will not be. Uh, there will be a Saturday night singing poor prayer celebration, uh, but there is no Sunday show this week. There, I don't have a show planned for Tuesday, but I do plan on being back the following Thursday and then getting back into a regular groove. So. I uh, appreciate all of your patience, and I appreciate every one of you being here. 
with us. So, any uh, final words, Tom, before we get lost? No, I just appreciate you and everyone out there. And you are like a brother to me, and you will always be. And, I mean, I, I've gone through a time where it was uh, unpopular to even associate with me. It was a dangerous thing to do. Now we're entering a time where it's okay, and I feel like, you know, finally I can see what I always dreamed of when I wrote the piece, a gathering of a remnant, a gathering of people who actually have a heart, and I get to share in that. And I was promised that that's where my heart would lift, and it certainly does. So thanks for having me on and, and being a brother. Well, listen, Tom, and I, I'm proud of the fact that I was the first one with the nuts to have you on, and not only did I do it once, I had you on about ten <laughs> times in a row almost. Yeah. Yep. And you got to prove. I mean, there was this. this we, you defeated the system, and there's such courageous people that have defeated the system where this, this whole thing was, you know, shut down people, shut down people. So thanks for your courage and uh, believing and the uh, sharing. I, I will always try to share. I am totally unafraid. Uh, that is for sure. Uh, you know what, the, the Lord is coming back <laughs> and, you know, whether it happens in my lifetime or, you know, in, in my grandkids' lifetime, whenever, uh, the fact is, is we're going to stand before the Lord and we need to do things that are right, even if they're unpopular. And, you know, that's, uh, that's the way this Amen. show is going to continue to go. Um, you know, this just, uh, we must be unafraid, uh, in these times and, you know, look, I, and that's in the screenplay. No fear, no fear. Is what I said. Yeah, no fear. I look at the apostles. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Look at the apostles and what they went through. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these were men of God. And, you know, I'm not comparing myself to one of those apostles. That is for sure. I have many shortcomings, but I look to them as an example. And I aspire to be one of those uh, uh, true disciples of Christ. And one one day I will get there. And, uh, and some of my, uh, you know, ways that the world has taught me, uh, we're getting rid of them one at a time. Well, listen, everybody, God bless you. God bless you, Tom. Thank you for being here with us. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, keep plugged in. Keep, keep each other lifted up in the communities, please. Uh, on our chat channels and Telegram, stuff like that. You know, you really got to be there for each other. Uh, I have been looking at it from time to time. I'm more being a troll than a, com- uh, than a contributor right now, uh, but I do just check on it from time to time. But just keep showing each other the love because, you know, in the, in this world right now, so many people feel alone. There's so many people, you don't know what their circumstances is. And, you know, there's not a lot of people we can talk about this stuff. Not a lot of people know about the demonic stuff that's in the world and stuff. And not a lot of people know about you know, what God is doing. And we're not talking about the false anointing that is coming up really big in this uh, great apostasy that's coming upon us. There's a lot of confusion coming out and we have a lot of new Christians who need guidance and we're getting new Christians on our platforms all the time. So if you are solid in the word of God, man, if you could just be there for someone in our chats, in our prayers, you don't know what a difference that makes because everything good is created in the spirit and then it manifests on earth. So, you know, you might think you're only helping one person, but a hundred people might see that post or that communication you did with someone or just that someone who got helped goes and tells a hundred people. You'd never know what you're creating by being there for someone. So, 
you know, um, I just encourage you. I kind of feel bad because I'm, <laughs> I don't like taking off time. I, you know, I, I, I got to get past this personally, you know, and take some personal time to reflect and be with the Lord myself. Uh, but just, I encourage you, ladies and gentlemen, be there for each other in, in this time and, uh, we shall reconvene. But remember, in the meantime, love your God, love your family, love your neighbor as yourself. And go to mylibertystand.com, and that is how you make a difference in your community.